Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my good friend, Kay Cote. How are you? That's a fun name, too. How are you? Thank you so much, Ben. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here for sure. Absolutely. You have an, a podcast called Elevated You Podcast, and I'm going to elevate you, hopefully, in this episode, but we'll see how I do with that. So the way I like to start off the podcast is I like to ask the guest uh, whether they're comfortable or not with it to do a shameless brag, a humble self-promotion, not necessarily in the sense of what they're selling, but just give us some of the highlights of your of your experience before we get to some of the low lights. Yeah, I'd love to share. So recent highlight win for me was attending PodFest in Orlando and whoop, whoop, and meeting you. <laughs> ah, um, yeah. I, <laughs> and giving my speech, my Pecha Kucha uh, chit chat speech. And that was super fun. And it was something um, I was very scared to do. I was very like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I've never done this. I've never been on this like national platform before. And I thought, you know what, let's go for it. And uh, despite my nerves and fear and all of that, I did it and uh, met so many great people because of it. So yeah, that's my shameless win right now is uh, speaking at PodFest. Absolutely. I was really uh, surprised that we got to share the stage with William Hung. That was a, that was a fun thing to do for our first little public appearance because it was also my first time doing public speaking um besides i guess this is technically public speaking because the public can hear it with their earballs but they don't hear it live and it's not as uh, intense so just for the audience uh, the type of speech that we did and william hung did you have to have five minutes worth of slides each slide is 15 seconds long and then you get about 20 of them or exactly 20 of them, depending on how you slice it up. You could probably repeat one multiple times, but I didn't do that. So I was just running through. I'm like, oh, no, next thing, because 15 seconds really isn't that long. Um, <laughs> but what was what made you say yes? Because I also got the same. I applied to be a PodFest speaker. I also didn't even say yes after they responded until after it was too late because I didn't know if I could make it there. And I just didn't, you know, it, it's hard to know whether something's gonna be a good idea or just a waste of time so what made you decide to say yes and just uh embrace the possibility of messing up in front of people and putting yourself out there in a big way well the reason i said yes is because that inner dialogue was telling me hey this isn't for you you're not experienced enough i had that negative inner voice and i and i knew i wanted to really advance in my podcasting so my goal this year in 2023 has been to do things that scare me and to get on stage as much, much as possible. So if there's an opportunity that comes through my inbox or, you know, it's just something I, even if I'm scared, I'm going to say yes to it because like, that is my number one mantra this year is to grow my pod fat, grow my pod fat. <laughs> Your pod fat? Grow my pod fat. <laughs> my pod fat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a thing. Honestly. I've had some pod yeah. fat uh, that have packed on some some <laughs> of the time. I've been doing this for like a little over three years. I think I don't even know how time works these days, but um, I don't know how long your podcast has been going on. But uh, it if it started during the pandemic, which I would imagine it did, uh, just like mine did. Uh, what what was it for you? Like, was it an outlet? Was it a release? Was it a way to just get some of those negative self talk feelings you were discussing? Like out there into the world so you could get past it or how, you know what was the point of starting the uh the podcast well it's kind of a funny story i actually was uh in corporate as a graphic designer and uh was connecting with a fellow uh, or just a friend who was in the radio scene and we were just chatting one day and he said you know you have a really great voice for radio and i responded really bad i was like hey oh do you mean i have a great face for radio <laughs> And he got like, he didn't know what to say. Uh, yeah, I knew you'd take it as an insult or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I did. You can but never anyways. say anything to women about one aspect of themselves because they, they will go, oh, but what about all the rest? But oh, so true. That's so true. <laughs> and so I started, I um, 
actually started in radio. I He offered me a show. I said, sure. I didn't hear back for like three months. And then all of a sudden I got an email saying, hey, would you like to do a live radio show? And I'd never done that before. I've done other things in media, mm-hmm. yet I've never done live radio. So I went in, learned production. Are we talking about live radio, like people can listen in their cars kind of thing? Because I did college radio, but that was like people in the cafeteria mostly. Very similar. So it was a live radio um, with uh, KRFF out of Fargo, North Dakota. And shout out KRFF. <laughs> shout out. They gave me my platform. One and- something, whatever. What was it? 92 what was the was there a number (laughs) it was a radio free fargo um radio free fargo yeah oh whatever Uh, so it didn't have a dial number yeah it was not tune into one one oh nine that's too high one oh six three gotta be odd i'm trying to remember 95 point i think it was 95 95.9 okay Shout out to KRFF 95.9. Potentially, we'll probably leave most of this in, but who cares? Radio Free Fargo. Um, so you were actually, but it was a real radio station, meaning you could find ours on like 88.3 or something if you were close enough to the college, but no one was listening to our to our stuff except for people in the cafeteria or maybe in the dorms. But you had like a legitimate radio show. How were you able to say yes to that? Because it seemed like you were struggling with the yes, but then they took a while to get back to you. So you probably were like, come on now. I already said, yes, let's do this. But like, how did it, how did it turn out at first? Did you, did you immediately find your voice there or was there a lot of stumbling that happened? It, you know, it, it actually came kind of natural to me because um, I honestly needed the creative outlet because corporate was, I was feeling pretty um, creatively stifled and I'm, I needed that outlet. So I was so excited to do the show and interview a local community members and just like have these conversations. And so I would do it between literally it was Tuesday morning at seven. I would do it between my spin class and going to corporate office. I don't know how you do that type of stuff. I can barely do the one thing. <laughs> it was, it was such a fun time in my life. And after that pandemic hit, I ended up producing, just producing content at home. And I realized I could start a podcast. I would just been kind of getting into podcasts at that time, connected with a few really great podcasters out in LA and just started to realize, hey, I have a voice and it actually is so much fun for me to do these interviews. And I started to get encouragement to do them. And so that's when I decided to leave the station and produce my own show independently. And that's when I I produced my very first show called The Wow Factor, and you can still find it. It's still linked to the same show as I have now. It's just, it just was called The Wow Factor. And initially I started my show because I was having a lot of health anxiety, just, I you know, with not only the pandemic, but I've always struggled with just worrying about health. Like hypochondriac uh, to- stuff or, or just worry about like uh, general, like weight gain, weight loss and like more like staying healthy first of all i'd never go to the gym so like i'm on the opposite end of the spectrum of you where like you're going to spin class and doing a radio show i'm avoiding the gym and you know so i'm trying to make sure i'm just like generally am i healthy or not is my question but maybe you're thinking of like how do i main top maintain top health you know in a way that i'm not thinking so what was the health anxiety it was uh you know it was circled around so it kind of goes back to a few years back, you know, my, um, when I, I had, I lost a loved one to poor health was the underlying factor. And so it kind of like jolted me into caring about my health and well being, And then with that came a lot of anxiety as well. So I, it wasn't so much like hypochondriac, but similar, I wouldn't go in. I just would sit and worry and go on Google. And so oh, I and started that's the worst through the WebMD version. Oh, of, yeah. You're not a doctor, but I'll just take in all the worst info and hyper fucking anxious get, it, you know, like just go into yeah. like a spiral of all these things could be wrong with me. Everything's wrong with me. That Exactly. And so then I I started interviewing doctors and people in the health and wellness <laughs> space. And so I was like, well, I'll get my advice. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought it's like i'll just interview self-help coaches and stuff and i'll just get self-help from them you get a free hour <laughs> it's pretty much what it was 
It was great. And then we were like, we were working on some deals and fun things. And so that's when that happened. And then from there, it sort of stemmed into now what it is, which is more of a mental fitness and conquering the inner bully. Uh, So that's kind of how the show started. Yeah, I started in live radio, fluke thing, realized I loved it, did it as a passion project for three years, and now I'm pursuing it as a career. I love that because I feel like I go to the mental gym a lot, doing a lot of reps there. And I don't think we get a lot of credit. So I like the mental fitness thing you just mentioned. I also think it's hilarious that, uh, A, I hate corporate America. It's the worst. But you were in graphic design and you felt creatively stifled, which is a creative field. I was an accountant and I felt creatively stifled, but that's because it's the most boring job ever. So it's funny that even no matter if you're meant to do things that are creative, you just basically strangled until you can't, you know, get any more air when it comes to like trying to let your actual self show and not just what they're trying to put out there usually. So I'm glad to hear that you got out of that kind of, it's always usually a toxic environment in my experience. Um, Granted, I was fired from all the jobs. I didn't have a choice really, Uh, but I would usually be, I call myself a quiet quitting hipster. I was doing it before it was cool. I was just, retracting from the work as they micromanage me more and like just would be like well i'm making it so efficient but you're all getting on my shit so i'm just gonna like literally do less work and go on reddit more so you know it makes sense i don't i'm not surprised at all by it but if they had encouraged my you know my creativity just like they probably encouraged yours you wouldn't have felt so stifled and i think both of us share that part of us where we're like, okay, we're sick of being polished all the time and making sure that we live up to everyone else's expectations. So let's go do something that we own like a podcast and you control all of it. No one can get in the way of, of what we're saying right now and our message. And it could be as weird as we want, or it could be as helpful. And that's what I love about it. Um, And uh, so podcasting, when you first started, what was the biggest challenge? Honestly, the biggest challenge was just putting my show out there, believing in it. Like I I believed in it, yet I just, I wanted people to listen, but I didn't know how to share about it. And honestly, that's still the biggest struggle. And I'm finding my way now. I think Pod PodFest really helped with just like giving some light bulb moments on how to grow your show, how to connect with your audience. I think that was my biggest thing. You know, I just was pro- so busy with producing and so busy with, curating and finding guests that I kind of got and confidence. Yeah. Confidence is a big one. Like, and then it just started to blossom. You know, things started to pick up. Um, I ended up signing with a network for an experiment for a month and that was really good, but it also like reminded me of the micromanagement, like a scientific experiment. Like, like they get like, (laughs) you know, the things with your eyes open and zapping you with something. That's why see in my head but I know it's nothing that shouldn't shouldn't have been like that no no it was a cool experience to like explore that option and I learned a ton while doing it but I realized like at that time in my life that wasn't the avenue I wanted to go so yeah went back so the other thing I wanted to say mental fitness what would you how did you figure out I guess it sounded like you started interviewing doctors and people who knew more than you um, about how to get that mental fitness because it seems like you're pretty good at the health and wellness of the body. You know, the best part about it is it's like it, they all kind of go hand in hand. It's very holistic, uh, mind, body, and soul, like everything's sort of together. And uh, that's when I found that missing link, that really helped me because I've struggled with anxiety since I was a kid. And that um, is something I've always been battling. And so I've discovered ways to work with my mind and uh, really boost my emotional intelligence. So right now I'm actually going through yoga teacher training. It's a six month program. And Are you going to be a yogi? Is that what they call you when you graduate? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on that. Yogi the bear. Hell yeah. That's where my head goes immediately for some reason. Um, (laughs) That's cool though. I've always struggled with anxiety too, but I think it's because I might, well, I think I got all three wrong, mind, body, soul, but I think I've fixed more of the mind part, but the the body part, I haven't spent a lot of time on. As you may have seen, I don't treat my body that well. And also 
I go pretty hard sometimes. So, you know, I gotta, I gotta figure out as I get older, cause I'm old as dirt. Um, you know, I gotta make sure I'm staying at least doing stretches and stuff. I don't do the basics. So you, you I'll do the IMDb thing. You tell me how to do some stretches some simple stretches. <laughs> for sure. I mean, movement for me has been the biggest game changer. Cause I used to, um, I struggled with my weight a lot when I was younger and that kind of, you know, goes back to the bullying thing. And so, mm-hmm. which we'll get into, because I want to, I want to make sure we'll get into, I mean, I know as much as you're comfortable, of course, but I want to make sure we get into the, what, you know, what you mm-hmm. had to deal with in order to now become who you are, which is usually part of the journey. Totally. Totally. So for me, it started with physical activity. I think when I, de- I brought that into my life, um, I fell in love with dance fitness. That was my first thing. Cause it didn't feel like I was working out. It just felt like I was at the club. And so that you really turned it up. What'd you get number I was turn it top up. three or top two at the dance off? <laughs> I did get, end. I got second place. There's two girls. They rocked it. They tied for first. And then hey, I got second. At that so. point, if you're in the top three, you're basically all tied. It's just who, <laughs> who who's biased in the crowd or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it was, that was really awesome. That was so much fun. And then like, I think I was on stage dancing. Like, it's so funny when I'm dancing, my anxiety is gone. Like I dance is like one of the biggest things in my life. So it's like when you, when it comes to your physical activity, find what works for you. If it's being out in nature, if it's going for a walk, if it's running, whatever the movement is, like find what works for you and do that. And it doesn't matter really what you do. It's just like doing something, start there. So yeah, I'm, that, I'm yeah. sure you've seen me dance a lot uh, at PodFest, right? Yeah. Yeah, you were hitting the dance floor. I know. So, but for me, it's not what you're saying. I, or at least it took me a long time to get there. I basically have, to, it's almost like a, a active meditation act, like mm-hmm. kind oh, of thing. Yeah. Because the more I think about it, the worse I dance. So mm-hmm. I have to be kind of not thinking about it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, dancing is total flow state. Like I access, but that's why I can't do the, like spinning someone else around and getting someone else involved. Cause then I'm thinking too much about what's happening and like what I have to do. Oh. Cause I don't know the moves. So I'm mm-hmm. like, I gotta be just in my own, whatever meditative state or trance or whatever you can call it, uh, for that. Because otherwise back in the day when I, you know, when I was a nerd growing up, like I wouldn't, and when I went to all guys Catholic high school, we didn't have a lot of dances, but when we did, it would be with like the nearest all girls school and they'd come over and we'd all just awkwardly stand around each other. And, you know, it wasn't like we were, I didn't grow up with that being an outlet. So it was something yeah. I had to learn over time, especially college and whatnot. So it's fun that you had it as not only something that relaxed you, but then it was a way to get your body into shape, which is, uh, which is awesome. Maybe that's how I got to do it. It really is like when I started the first time I took Zumba, it was Zumba is what I did. And it, Mm -hmm. I was had two left feet, you know, I, I had been dancing club dancing in college, like just for fun. But like, that took me a while to catch on to. But once I did it, I ended up teaching it. And um, now to this day, I actually just got a gig. I'm teaching dance fitness at a local gym here in Austin. So yeah, I'm so excited to get back into it. I was doing it uh, back in Fargo, North Dakota when I lived there. I was in Austin, by the way, back in October or September. Yeah. What'd you think? I love Austin. I just moved here. I love it. I love, I love it. I've been to ACL too, a a bunch of years back. ACL was amazing. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Austin City Limits is what, I, if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, it's a it's a concert festival that they have yearly in Austin. Yeah, yeah, it's yearly. And and there's like South by Southwest and ACL. There's a ton of stuff. Um, I'm so excited to take those things in. Like I just moved here two months ago. So oh, I'm, nice. I'm like gearing up. I like literally went from living in Fargo, North Dakota, moving. Oh yeah, Fargo. I keep forgetting. Like the movie, <laughs> The Wood Chipper. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And I love it. No, but also the. It's such a, the show's good too. The show is good. It's actually filmed, I think in Bemidji in Canada though. They don't even. It is. Yeah. It's not filmed in Fargo. And it, Well, they even say Bemidji in the show. Yeah. Yeah. They, don't, they do. Or Yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't know that name because why would I know that name? But yeah, I saw it in the show. Um, but it's interesting because it is a little bit different, but the movie is fabulous. Obviously um, you might be sick of it at this point because if you're from there, but you know, okay. who knows? Uh, that's cool that you just got to Austin though, because that's the only part of Texas. No offense to the rest of y'all, 
that I would want to live in. Otherwise, I would get the F out of Texas if I was in there. So I probably just alienated a bunch of my audience. But, you know, that's just me. I'm sorry, guys. You wouldn't dress like this either in Texas. <laughs> so. I I love Austin. It's been a good fit. I like that it's kind of, it reminds me of Fargo in a lot of ways. It's kind of like a bigger, warmer, faster version. And the people are really cool. I... I really love it here. It's been a good fit so far. And I feel like I needed to level up. I needed to like get out of complacency and comfort zone and like push myself. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they split Austin into like six different districts just so that the democratic vote is not all there. You know, they just like kind of like take slivers of it. And so to make sure that they get, (laughs) I'm pretty sure the six counties that like overlap with Austin. But anyways, I think so point is i've seen a weird map of of all the things like that's why i view since i'm from boston where we're also democratic i'm not trying to alienate all my audience in one episode but the point is uh you know growing up in boston uh austin which rhymes with it was like a little bastion of freedom in in my mind in texas Mm -hmm. um in terms of like being a weirdo you stay weird and all that other stuff like that's my vibe you know and you'd love it that's where you picked it's really good. By the way, side note, our uh, I keep getting notifications that post I did with you in that jacket that you're wearing right now is going viral. So we should like nice. pop on and like comment and do all the yeah. things. It's really hitting it up. So I just like want to. After this, we can stay on video and just do a. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I, I love don't know. That. I don't know how to do anything. We'll record a separate thing on here that we can use. Yeah. Who I knows? Um. So what we'll. What was the best thing to get past your anxiety? It was the working out and the Zumba and the dancing? Yes. Honestly, I think the biggest thing for me to get through my anxiety is movement. If I can get out and move. And that, that's another big reason why I moved out of Fargo. I love Fargo, yet the winters get brutal. And oh, it's I so bad. It's so bad. I mean, kudos to those who can handle negative 30 degrees, negative 60 degrees. I- I can't do it. I, I thought Kansas City wouldn't be cold, but like with the wind chill last year, it was like negative 20, negative. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got to buy whole new types of outfits for this. Like a whole, yeah. like, you know, overalls, whatever, like snowsuit thing. I'm like, this is not my game. I thought I came from Boston and Denver. Like I thought it would be warmer here for some reason, but yeah. it seems to have uh, just a better winter, at least the rest of the time. It's nice. Yeah. Um, but you get nice weather pretty much all the time, except for the recent freeze uh, thing. I don't know if that hit you. Yeah, the, the recent freeze was pretty rough. Uh, 140,000 people plus got lost their power. And I, we were included wow. in that. Uh, really? So we were out. With, yeah, we were out for about 24 hours, but I went and stayed with friends and that worked out. So, um, yeah, it was kind of wild. But all in all, the weather, like now it's like 70. It's rainy today, but. I love it here. And that's why I moved here. Another reason was I really like the atmosphere. I love the people. I love that. I live really close to the downtown and the river that runs through. And I go mm-hmm. out there and I go for my runs and it clears my head. And I, I like to go in the morning before the sun rises. And there's, you see Psycho. the skyline. It's the skyline is like beautiful. And like, there's such an energy coming from that skyline for me personally. I yeah. just like feel the energy and that motivates me to run. Uh, so I do that if I'm like really stressed out, I'll like go for an early run or. Yeah. Something. It's funny because I call you psycho, but I'm usually up still at that point and I see the sunrise, but I see it from not having slept uh, the night before. So I'm really on the opposite end where I just don't get enough sleep at all. Um, but I did like what you said there about movement and how movement is what helps you because a lot of people you know, the classic thing when someone's depressed is you picture them laying in bed and not getting up and not doing anything. And so a lot of times just mm-hmm. movement, getting out of the, you know, physical environment you're in can get you sometimes out of that mental environment that you're also in. But mm-hmm. I want to go back to the ages of five to 14 when you were getting bullied, if you don't mind. What was, uh, what was going on there? You seem like someone who shouldn't be being bullied uh, based on my experience. Uh, so not that anyone should be bullied, but you got my point. Uh, you seem like a very nice person. So what was, what was going on? Do you think? You know, that's exactly the thought I had when I walked into kindergarten and cause when I was young, like between the, before age five, I was in like preschool and stuff. And I was, I was in acting already. I was in plays. I was in gymnastics. I loved like 
I loved energy of the crowd. I loved being on stage and entertaining. And that's what I did through gymnastics. Like for me, it wasn't about the gymnastics. It was about the performance we had and the whole auditorium or whatever we were in. It was the school gym was just filled with people. The whole community showed up. And so like the ages from like three to five was probably where I was so, I knew who I was at that age. I didn't know that I knew who I was, but I was authentic to who I was. Sure. You were putting yourself out there. Yeah. And I love that. And I was kind of like quirky and I was a little weird and I was fun and I loved frogs. Of course, you're three to five. I mean, you barely know what anything is. Life is barely yeah, <laughs> a thing. You don't know anything. Like the kids that age are like literally every moment figuring out new stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was so fun. And I love that age. I, I remember I have a lot of memories and I have a lot of like my mom has old DHSs of us, you know, of me like doing my gymnastics and like waving at the crowd. And I just loved it. And so I was a happy person. Everybody loved me. I loved everybody. And I mm -hmm. walked into kindergarten and I was met with adversity right away. And there was really I don't think there was a real reason for it. The only thing I can think of is it was a very small school and there wasn't a lot of uh opportunity to find like a niche that you're like a group that you fit in with there was only like one kind of group like there were 13 or 14 kids in my class kindergarten and then mm -hmm. it dwindled from there and it just like i really don't know what happened but i think it spiraled me because i i was like why doesn't anybody like me what did i do and i blamed myself and I think that as a young person, I took that on and mm -hmm. that was the hardest thing. Cause then I kind of, it spiraled it. It allowed it to happen more. The kids got meaner. I got more um, defensive. So much of my personality. Yeah. I got like, well, I got very like shut down okay. and I remember I got very depressed and I um, just didn't know what was going on. And I, I had like a few friends. It wasn't like it was all the time. But it was daily. Like there were some kids that were extremely mean and said things and did things to me that were very hurtful. Mm -hmm. And it was something that, you know, it was a part of my life, honestly, that when that school closed and I went to a new school, I got to start over, which was amazing. I still went into some of those old habits. And so I you realized that. Rebrand opportunity. Yeah. I got a rebrand opportunity, but at that time I'd been bullied for so long that I didn't know how to not be bullied. It was the weirdest mm -hmm. phenomenon. So I ended up, I, then I started to realize like I could, I was rebranding over and over. And then I went to college. I got to start over. I moved to a new city and now I'm in Austin. I get to start over. And those are opportunities for me, but it wasn't until I actually recognized it brought up the fact that I was bullied again, that I felt that I've actually been able to close some of those mindsets and some of those, like allowing those things to happen. And it literally happened. That's dope. Thank you. It happened January, this January. I finally realized, cause I shoved it under the rug for years. I just never wanted to talk about it. I thought I it's, it's part of my life, but it hasn't, it's not affecting me. No, it's fine. But mm -hmm. I realized when I saw a post on Instagram, the holistic psychologist posted something about hypervigilance and what causes hypervigilance and hypervigilance in a nutshell. Now I'm not a psychologist. You can Google it, like get the better, like better terms, but it's don't try it's this a, at home, Go don't ahead. try this at home, <laughs> but it's like, it's like acute, acute Wait, say sensitivity. It again. I already forgot it. Hi. Hypervigilance. Hypervigilance. And it's kind of like you become acute to people's emotions and what people say around you and you kind of take things more personally actually quite a bit more personally than you should uh is there any chance you have adhd i pr i have probably undiagnosed i was tested well, as a kid but i late in life diagnosis of especially adhd inattentive in women is the classic combo of those who don't get found out until much later in life there's no more add that's now into the ADHD umbrella. There's three types, hyperactive, inattentive, and combined. I'm surprisingly combined. I thought it was hyperactive. Point is, if you're a woman and you're inattentive, you're most likely to be not diagnosed until you're like in your late 20s or something, or never, mm -hmm. because you're not the typical hyperactive boy running around, jumping off the walls and doing all sorts of wacky stuff. 
but you might still have some of the things. And what, the reason I brought it up is because there's this thing called RSD, which is re rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is similar, similar, almost like body dysmorphia, but instead of like your body, it's more about rejection and the, and feeling of rejection and taking it so intensely or assuming too early or doing that hyper, kind of hypervigilance thing you're talking about. So mm -hmm. when I hear you say that, I'm wondering, oh, maybe it's part of her RSD acting out from the ADHD, but that's just because I've known and found out so much more about my own thing than I was ever taught by anyone else by doing, you know, going on to clubhouse and going into rooms on ADHD and stuff and just hearing other people who had the same issues as me. And I'm like, oh, that all totally checks out. I'm totally getting it. So you're probably like, oh, either even relate unrelated to ADHD, the hypervigilance can be something that's just, you know, beaten into you basically, or, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that you're, you've had so much negative experiences with uh, social interactions or whatever, you might mm -hmm. be hyper aware of how people react to the things you say. Whereas mm -hmm. I am the same way, but also I am oblivious to like my surroundings. So I cannot notice an item or an object that's in the room for like months, you know, and someone's like, I like that thing. I'm like, Oh, I didn't even see that there. I'm a dumbass. It's really yeah. what it is. He does have a spotted ear and I just don't notice things, but I do notice social cues and things like that. Cause I also had to figure out like, what am I doing? You know, going to an all guys Catholic high school, then to go to a college with women. And then I was in a fraternity, which didn't give me the best relationship with alcohol. I had to figure out a lot of things on the fly. And so mm -hmm. I think I developed that hypervigilance too, but, um, I don't want to interrupt anything you said, but I did write down a ton of stuff to say. So feel free to oh, yeah. finish whatever you're saying. And then I don't want to forget some of these things. No, that is, you know, that's a really good point that you say that because, you know, that is something I've, I've thought about. Cause I remember as a child, you know, when I was going through, I did go through a lot of mental struggles and the bullying, like I think was a uh, catalyst to a lot of these things. But I also think um, I've did struggle with a couple of things and I do feel um, I was actually diagnosed oppositional defiance. Ooh, that's a funny one. <laughs> it's an interesting It's honestly, and I can see like, I did have that and my dad had that. And then I also, Oh, can you explain what it is? Cause I probably have it. What is it? Oppositional defiance. So you pretty much do the opposite of what you're told. So it's like, if, um, if you're told, Oh, that's, that's me. I'm fired for so much. You know that you might be oppositional. Now this is like <laughs> micromanagement. I have a total propulsion to, so that's probably what it is. I have that too. Oppositional defiance. And it's like, we should do like a, like a, a clause so, on this. Like this is all for educational oh, and entertainment purposes only. <laughs> to be clear, the failure guy does not have any kind of a license in any kind of way to talk about mental health <laughs> other than unlicensed this is unlicensed therapy folks and unlicensed information yeah, feel free to do like... your own research we are just talking from our personal experience yes. blah 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 you should understand that by now if you've ever listened to my podcast <laughs> i don't talk with authority on most things so there i mean there's a good chance i have adhd uh just from you know i've done some personal research too and like how i am in life i'm and my like forgetfulness and like things i struggle with and like you know yeah, that's the inattentive part and time blindness. There's a lot of things that yeah. are on this other side that aren't the typical things you think about when you think of ADHD and how it mm -hmm. presents. So I want to I'll connect you with somebody who's uh, who's a great Ari Scott. She's a ADHD entrepreneurial coach. She's also like crushing it on Instagram and stuff. And she's in Australia. So she's uh, hilarious. I paid her for a while as my ADHD coach um, to help with some of my things in business. So I think that's, that's, uh, it's good to recognize a lot of these things. What's tough is, um, so I'm going to try to wrap all these things that I wrote down into like one kind of meandering thing. Um, but it, basically I feel like you are, are similar to me in terms of like shoving everything under the rug and not addressing it. And so that's the same thing with me with being fired from every job. I didn't have to tell every company that I was fired. I just could spin a story around it and, you know, lie to them. And it took five firings to realize that I was even fired from all my jobs. I'm like, Oh, that, you know, all those lies I was telling myself and the employers of the next job as to why I, you know, wasn't working at that place anymore. I was like, I was starting to believe all that stuff. So I was like gaslighting myself and also like 
basically shoving it under the rug to the point where I couldn't fix it. But mm -hmm. to your earlier points, it wasn't related to the being fired part. It was all the stuff that happened when I was a kid that presented itself later on as, as that oppositional defiance thing, which is probably why I don't like being uh, micromanaged, especially if I feel like I'm do, doing well and doing good things, you know, like, especially yeah. if we're trying so hard in corporate America, no matter what, they're always like beating you down regardless of what you're doing. Cause they want to keep you, you know, in line. But mm -hmm. I think you were probably, um, I, I, I bet if I had to, like do an uneducated guess on top of all this unlicensed stuff we're doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's since you're in a small town, a lot of people judge in those situations more than they accept, especially when it comes to extreme personalities or like people putting themselves out there. A lot of times they're mm -hmm. like, no, we're like, you know, down home country folk or whatever the hell it would be. And like, you know, you're doing stuff that's more like uh, out there, more, city life type of thing you're like mm -hmm. you're a city slicker in this town and like this is all totally made up my point is i've experienced it here in kansas city when i go out looking like this i feel like I, they want to shoot me immediately and i'm like <laughs> uh, you know i know that you uh, even the, the other day i was at the gas just the gas station down the street in a prius and i'm like uh can i also get ten dollars on whatever that pump is right there and he's like the one with the Oh, I didn't want to, and I'm like the Prius. He's like, yeah, I didn't want to say Prius. I didn't want to be offended, offensive. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I just don't like Priuses. I'm like, well, now I'm offended, but I wasn't before, you know, like, because they hate yeah. any, you know, when you're in like certain parts of the country, they don't like certain things. Mm -hmm. That's why I, when I had my Prius um, the, with the failure plate that I had totaled and crashed and all that stuff, which is, isn't part of the story that I told on, on stage, but uh that car no longer exists is why the plates behind me here. Um, but uh, when I had that and I already knew people were judging me for being in a Prius. So I thought, what the, what the hell, why not pop a failure on there and subvert <laughs> their expectations and be like, okay, you know, this guy clearly acknowledges that he's not uh, driving a car that gets respect or whatever. Uh, Cause <laughs> it, it was amazing how much people talk smack about owning a car that just what it gets good gas mileage. I don't know what your problem is, but um, you know, it's awesome. I, I loved it. But my point was, you probably blamed yourself a lot, even though it was all these other people trying to put you down and keep you in the box, you know, that they thought you yeah. should be in. Um, and then I'm still going. So like, these are all uneducated guests, like route, I'm just going down this path. And you can tell me if all this is right or not. <laughs> but then you just probably strived for that external validation. So you loved performing you love doing all the things where you're mm -hmm. getting people to cheer for you even us putting ourselves out there now mm -hmm. we're trying to get past the need for external validation but we're just substituting it for a different kind of external validation that maybe hopefully eventually is all internal that's the ideal is that you eventually don't need mm -hmm. any external yeah. validation but for people like us i mean i was a uh, a lot of what wally said unlocked some of the stuff and so wally green who gave a nice speech at PodFest. He's also got these uh, ping pong paddles behind me that he mm -hmm. signed because he ruined me uh, with his iPhone uh, when I tried to massively come on his table or whatever he says in every video that makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I did a reel with him and, uh, and uh, Angela at PodFest. And yeah. yeah, the massively coming on my table. It was, I just, I. Did you see the most recent one though, where he's talking to himself about it and he's acknowledging how bad it sounds? It, yeah. <laughs> I got to, that one was the, my favorite one. Didn't even get that many likes, but, um, but if anyone wants to go check out Wally Green, he was on the, this podcast. So check out episode 73, uh, where I interview him, but he, uh, we, I probably spent like 30 hours of podfest just hanging around with Wally because, and you, because it was <laughs> the most fun. I mean, every night after everything was done, basically we were doing stuff with dj smiles elijah desmond who's going to be on the podcast on friday on this podcast friday nice uh, so all of us and carrie who was at the first night she was in the room meaning all of these people now are going to be on my podcast like all the people who we were hanging out with basically i mean they're gonna be on their podcast they're gonna be on mine it's just so funny when you meet these people in real life for the first time and then you can actually form real relationships when you feel like you were just talking to a box the whole time. Right? Uh, Isn't that weird. the best part? Like I've honestly made so many connections and I feel like they, the whole 
the whole it's like a rising tide all of yeah. us are going to be like on each other's shows and really grow this whole community which is amazing and yeah i've been talking with wally too and uh, he wants me to come out to new york so i think i'm going to go check out his he has a ping pong club out there well yeah let's do a yeah let's do a new york or a boston trip because also carrie uh is out in boston she has a podcasting studio oh, yeah. also wally has a uh spin spin they've opened up a spin in boston yeah so meaning we can we can wrap them all together and Wally and Carrie are good friends like that are that go back more than either of us go back with them. So like they're predated. So I'm sure they'd all be down for this uh, type of thing because um, I've been talking a lot with Carrie. I was just on her podcast yesterday, um, which is called Shot at Love. If anyone wants to go check out her podcast, she has amazing guests and somehow I snuck into it. <laughs> Cause that's, I'd love to connect with her too. Cause I, I think that would be fun. Yes. To... I will absolutely connect you because she would love to, uh, to have you on her, her, I don't know what your love story is in life, but hers is all about that journey. So, um, feel free to figure out how, if what you would want to say in that realm. Mine's Ooh. more about put, my take on it was more about putting yourself out there. So you could also talk about, you know, that type of stuff. Maybe I could talk about like self-love after bullying, being bullied because like self-love is huge. Yes. Yeah. Something like that would be a good thing to talk about is like, um, cause that's kind of where I'm at right now is that this phase of my life of, um, rediscovering who I am. And that's been mm -hmm. really interesting and seeing how that takes shape on my relationships. Yeah. So, but after both all. giving the speech yeah. and then both getting tons of positive feedback yeah. from it and that external validation we've been craving all our lives. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this speech. I don't know what I'm doing, uh, but whatever. Let's just go ahead and, and do it. And then to have so many people come up and be like, oh, I loved your speech and like, want to take a selfie. I'm like, people don't take selfies with me. I take selfies with them. What are you talking about? You know, so like to be on the flip side of some of that um, interaction was yeah. very gratifying in terms of like bringing me back to wanting to do more of it and being less uncertain because a lot of times podcasting, you're just you put it out in the world and then no one says anything and then you just keep going and you put another one out and <laughs> no one says anything. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like goes back to the bullying. Like once I opened up, so I just opened up about the bullying, the situation I went through. Mm -hmm. Um, And like right after I opened up about being bullied, which was literally a month ago, I've had more people reach out to me and share either their stories um, so maybe their kids are going through it and like reaching out for advice. And I feel like that's been like the biggest takeaway from kind of pivoting my podcast to share my story a bit more mm -hmm. is it gives it some something that's more relatable. And like, I, I want to be a voice for people to reach out to. I want people to know that bully, being bullied doesn't define who they are and that that inner voice that sticks with you after being bullied or say your kids being bullied there, there is something that sticks with you that keeps that keeps you saying no, like no to yeah. yourself because that's what the bully said. And that's yeah, the what negative self-talk. Yeah. yeah. And also so, usually bullies yeah. bully because they're insecure and not because that oh, you, yeah. it's an, usually not a you problem. It's a them problem. Oh, that's so true. I actually, when I was listening to, um, I was watching, actually it was, I think American Idol, ironically, Simon Cowell did say this, you know, he actually said something really positive and he talked about like, like a lot of people that go on there, especially young people, have been through something. And one boy, he was amazing, an amazing singer. And he got done with his piece and, and he, he talked about being bullied. And Simon said, you know what? Bullies are usually the ones that are insecure. They're the ones because when you're destined for greatness, people don't know what to do with that. And they mm -hmm. shut it down because it's different. And like, we yeah. all have that. We all have the power to be great. But when you, when you know who you are and you go with it and you're quirky and you don't care. And when you're young and you're in a town that's very small and nobody's used to that it's their minds don't know how to handle it so yeah i've learned to make peace with that at least and like when simon said that and other people said that like bullies bully because yeah it's so funny because he also bullied william hung like i'm like i know <laughs> dude you're all right that's a little bit counterintuitive for me to take i know from you but maybe it's because he realized that in himself i think it was later on yeah it was after it, it was a few, it was like when he's kind of softened up over the years exactly. a little bit. But probably because so, he realized it was his own yeah. insecurities coming yeah. through. Maybe he's speaking from the bully side. Yeah. Said that, you know? Um, yeah. One thing I wanted to mention is uh, it's funny that you said like old VHSs of, of growing up and stuff. Cause it's like now 
every moment of your child's life if you have a child i don't but like every one's kids are going to have high quality videos of themselves when they're a little kid doing everything and i just have like these old weird little snippets thankfully my my uh papa uh, or grampy when he was around he used to have the giant vhs thing with the light on it and he would mm-hmm. videotape so much stuff so we have a lot of it on uh thing but like for the longest time people and generations prior had like nothing but a couple pictures of when they were a kid now yeah. we're gonna have people are gonna have hours of content of them growing up either doing embarrassing things which could have all sorts of weird effects mm-hmm. or um just do- documenting how they grew up so then later on they can they can figure out what's going on but we mm-hmm. also simultaneously i was watching and i reposted it and you might have seen it but um is that we're the first generation that's experiencing gentle parenting and and the mm-hmm. fact that our parents i mean people who are parents these days are not only trying to learn from a like a international group of parents in the fact that they're out you know trying to figure out what everyone else is doing but yeah. we're the first generation of people who are apologizing to our children and trying to figure out how to how to make sure that they feel okay mentally and things like that like have this mindset of not like you're just my kid listen to what i say do what i do yeah. whatever yeah. it's more like i'm figuring it out you know, so, you know, yeah. it, we have this weird first thing where we're finally seeing parents like apologizing to their kids and explaining things like on a on mm-hmm. a deeper level where we didn't get that growing up because they didn't have that, yeah. uh, they didn't have that ability. I mean, like, who do you ask just the nearest person to you? You know, it, this kind of reminds me too of like thinking back to my experience as a child. I was blessed to have a mom who did talk to me like an adult and talk to me like, that's great. It was, and I, I agree. I think it's something that not mo- most kids have. Like I have the blessing and to this day, my mom and I have amazing conversations. And I think because of her um, and giving me creative outlets when I was going through the bullying and telling me, Hey, write, draw. And I would write poems and I would draw and I would sing and I would, and she like would bring me to this place called international music camp where I met all sorts. It was almost like pod fest, but for like choir choir geeks yeah and like, this. like band geeks and stuff totally band so camp. band camp it was like <laughs> band camp like so i love them and um i was very blessed that i had a mom i could talk to and she would meet me where i was and so it's nice to see that being uh experienced now as this next generation of parents are are ha- having this awareness that their kids are human and their kids are thinking about life yeah, and everything that happens at this period of their life is important later on. Yeah, yeah. Whereas so, before they're just like, oh, this is what we've forgotten. They'll erase this from their memory. They won't remember this. So therefore, right. who cares what happens? Uh, oh, it my seems goodness. Like was it's, the mentality. It's so crazy how like I've been more aware of my mental health as a child now as an adult. Yeah. Um, And and realizing where some of my tendencies and, and behavior patterns and mm-hmm. fears and, and anxieties lie. Uh, so now I can do the work, you know, now that's opened yeah. up the, the, my practice is uh, mindfulness and action. Cause mindfulness is a great thing to have mm-hmm. yet. It takes action to make things happen. So yeah, it it's work. like the mindfulness and action that's kind of in my platform that I'm building is like, just, yes, mindfulness is great, but we have to take action on it. And that's where I, I, I mean, I, myself, that's what I'm uh-huh, doing yeah. to overcome the hypervigilance, overcome befriend the negative inner voice to befriend, befriend the inner bully and say, you know, embrace I failure. Did. Yeah. Embrace failure because without failure, if we're not failing, we're not moving forward. And a lot of times we fear things like this is my biggest takeaway is when we have fear and we don't try, like say, say Podfest, for example, if I have a fear of failure going into it, and I don't send the email and make, make like send a speech idea. I a hundred percent fail. So I'm yeah, living my guaranteed. fear. Guaranteed the failure. Prophecy, yeah. And so it's like, why not at least throw the email out there? And if yep. I didn't expect to get it and, and when I did, then it's like, Hey, I have an opportunity here rather than, you know, that would have been a hundred percent failure. But even if it's a 1% chance that you'll get it, just try because you're going to fail anyway. So yeah, especially <laughs> if, you don't if try. no one's paying attention to you at this point too, like yeah. uh, 
like Vinny Potasivo said on my podcast, fail now before anyone's looking. Because I mean, once you're, yeah, once you're, once you've made it, then people are watching what you're doing, and the failure hurts even more. Do it before, you know, anybody yeah. cares. It's even better. But like when I said yes, finally after the deadline, even that I would do it, I still didn't have a way to get there and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was just like. I'll say Same. yes. And if I have to go say no later, well, it's better than saying no now, you know? Right. And I'm so glad I did it. It was one of like the best experiences ever. And now I'm going to be doing a lot more, like you're saying, public speaking and stuff. But Wally's story. So when Wally was on my podcast, we mainly talked about his North Korea thing. We did not talk about him and his parents and almost mm -hmm. killing them and the abuse that he went under. Yeah. I went through and I, I it reminded me of my stepdad who from ages three to 20 was verbally and physically abusive with my mm -hmm. mom and myself and just how much that that probably made it. So my mom couldn't show me the love that she wanted to, cause mm -hmm. she was too busy dealing with that. But I blame her a lot of the time, but I know that she was a, a single parent who doesn't know, didn't have any tools or guidance but also mm -hmm. was dealing with just trying to get through the day in an abusive relationship where she was kind of trapped. So yeah. thankfully she's no longer in that, but like I've tried to remove the blame that I put on her for a lot of that, even though mm -hmm. I think a lot of that impacted me negatively and manifested in possibly that oppositional defiance disorder and other things that we're talking about where yeah. I didn't get bullied necessarily. I did a little bit like in freshman year, it's called fetus because I looked so young uh and stuff but like it's fine you can laugh all you want i'm laughing too because uh i was i looked like i was i think it was even five six on my driver's license but i'm five eleven so like i was a late bloomer i looked like i was super young and some of these all guys at a, at a high school especially when it's either for sports or for smarts the sports kids look like they're 40 all of a sudden shaving and i'm like this little you know baby faced kid and so uh i wouldn't get the respect in terms of that but i was never see seeking that out also since it was all guys and i i mean you wouldn't know i'm straight by looking at the way i dress but uh i also didn't care what anyone thought because like yeah i you know if i show up to school like in my dress code approved outfit but i also didn't shower i don't really care because there's no girls around to <laughs> to impress so whatever you know like if they if these guys make fun of me who cares like it's not a big deal but it does impact your ability to feel like you can make friends or like that yeah. you're worthwhile or that you're nor even being normal is something and so i think what you were saying earlier about figuring out how to, how to like as you rebranded probably like who you thought you were and who you were started yeah. becoming more of the same person or like who you were outwardly publicly versus who you thought you should be because mm -hmm. one of my things is like, I would be pretending at work. I'd be playing this character at work who liked sports and also, you know, whatever, did all the things the people at work talked about. I'd make sure to like pretend to care about the Red Sox and how they were doing and stuff like that. And yeah. whereas when I got home, I would just be me. And so like every time I got fired, the person who I was at work and the person who I was at home became more of the same person until I was just me all the time. Because I'm like, it's exhausting to play this two mm. character journey through life mm -hmm. i just got to figure out who i am and let that shine through because otherwise i'm i'm screwed i can't keep that's why i hate the fake it till you make it thing because it really just it tells people to yeah. embrace something that isn't themselves and so that leads me pretty perfectly into the last couple of questions but i want to make sure if you got any last thoughts on failure that you want to mm -hmm. say before we get to the more current slash forward looking stuff uh feel free to like uh give a little last words if you want but no 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 pressure. Yeah. I mean, just kind of picking back, piggybacking off of what you said. Um, that's kind of the journey I've been on now too, is like, you know, with the, with the failures of being true to myself, going through the bullying. And I mean, this is two decades ago when this was going on and <laughs> now I've been doing some self work and I've been going back to, I've been going into these meditations. I don't do it super often, but when I do it, it's very intentional and I go talk to myself and I, I met myself at five years old and I watched her and oh, everything, that's a good one. <laughs> everything she does, everything she does, she's cartwheeling in the yard. She's singing, she's dancing. She's got all this energy. She's just loves everyone she meets. And that is who I am to a T. And when I go back and visit her, I have conversations and I tell her, and I don't know what this is, if this is going to rewrite, 
rewrite neural pathways. I don't know what it's going to do. Heard but good I go things back. about what you're saying. So keep going. Yeah. And I go back to this, this girl and I talk to her and I meet her and she's telling me about what she's doing and all these things that she loves. And I'm like, one day, everything you do right now is going to serve you. All of your gifts and talents you have right now at five years old are what you're going to love and do now. And I, I just have to share like all the things I did as a child I am doing now, including singing. I'm I'm writing a new track for my intro for my podcast. Um, I'm dancing. I just got my job as a dance instructor. And one, one thing I did do as coping as a child is I would go and I would record myself on a radio show. I kid you not. I, on a I was almost going to say the same thing, but go ahead. I, I had this cassette player and I would record and after I would be bullied, I would go on and I would talk to the kids and nobody was actually really listening. It was just me pretty much vocally journaling. And I, it's almost was, like an imaginary friend. That's a, a yeah. A, my imaginary a audience. <laughs> yeah. And like the fact that I was podcasting yeah. at five, not even knowing what a radio show or podcast was. And now I'm doing that. So all these things I was doing at that age, are who I was and am who I am. And that's how I've been rediscovering who I am. And that's been the journey of, you know, that meditation going, talk, talking to myself when I was fully authentic to who I was. And that's how I've been yeah. discovering who I am now because those now, traits are still there. Well, I'm going to give you a hot tip and a flip of the script. Uh, so you can do a new thing to get over some of the um, bullies that you de dealt with. Cause mm -hmm. one of the most important things I've, I've been told, and this is from, this is actually a meditation that I listened to after I interviewed Natasha Graziano, who's number one female motivational speaker under 40 per Forbes magazine. So, um, and, you know, I tend to be a little bit resistant to some, some, uh, you know, of the woo woo kind of things about, you know, so certain things when it comes to mindset stuff can cross over into certain territories, but she has this awesome meditation where basically if there's somebody you have to forgive, like a, let's say my stepdad or something like that, mm -hmm. or one of your bullies, right? You mm -hmm. picture them as a five-year-old or as a three-year-old or that whatever they were, you know, and in the time before they were a bully and they were just seeking love, you know, and you basically mm -hmm. picture talking to them. And then you picture a third party watching you talk to them and trying to figure out what's what's going on. And I think you start with the current age version. So you have like, you feel all the feelings of the, of the hate that you have as the person now, you know, and then you see it from a third party perspective, then you see them as a child, just seeking love and affection and not getting it or whatever it is. And then you get to the point where you can say you love that person in your own mind. You don't have to say it in real life. You don't even have to say it aloud, but you can love them, forgive them. And you basically just put all that behind you kind of thing. And it's similar to what you're saying about talking to yourself, but instead you're, talking to yourself and the fact that you're trying to get rid of all this stress that you're holding around because the only power they can have on you is the impact that they continue to have on you. And if you can let that go, you can be free of a lot of that stuff. So if you can do the same meditation, but instead try to figure out how, and it won't happen the first time. Like I can actually share the one that I listened to if you want to um, hear that, yeah. but um, it gets a little weird with umbilical cord stuff that I can't relate to because I don't uh, have, uh, that experience and <laughs> in, in the slightest yeah. of, of knowing what what that's like but yeah. but she's fabulous and um and I think you'll like the uh I cry during it but I cry regularly when it comes to things like movies or tv shows or my own feelings because I don't know how to deal with them so that because we grew up I was Irish Catholic we stuffed down our feelings we didn't talk about them until like oh, they exploded Sam. type of thing yeah. and we talked German. like shit to each other like with the worst <laughs> tones so that's why I'm trying to get yeah. better at you know how I sound and stuff, but um, I'm going to try that one that you're talking about to talk to my young self. You should yeah. try the other one I'm saying and and get some forgiveness going. doesn't matter who it is. It could be yeah. someone who just pissed you off the other day. It doesn't have to be a big deal one to start, you know, but then you can get, if you can get to the point where you can say, I love you too. And I forgive you. Yeah. It's, it's healing. Big. Yeah. It's really healing. Yeah. There's a few people that come to mind right away that I want to like try that with. That's a really good idea. So. So, yeah, the yeah, I love that. Being a guest on the Failure Guy podcast, you get a get out of fail free card. So I've handed you one in real life, but I will hand you one <laughs> through the internet as well. Please take this. Yay! Okay. <laughs> All right. So 
you actually now get to use this officially. I think you might have unofficially used it in the past, but um, the real point is what is something that you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? It's something that you think is out of your wheelhouse currently. So for me, it'd be stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. I was glad that I got a few laughs during my speech because that gave me a little bit of confidence there. But stand-up comedy, you got to go up and bomb all the time like i know every wow. comedian says that so like failures baked into it so i would definitely use my fail card for that but if get on a fail free card what would you use it for and why honestly i think um yes there's a few ways yeah it could be anything you could be like a marvel superhero actress it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter how ridiculous it is it's just like if you knew you couldn't fail and something that because auditions and that, all that acting, that's mm -hmm. probably a big failure thing, but it could be mental health. It could be personal fitness, could be relationships, could be anything, an astronaut. Like I've had yeah, so many anything. answers of so many types. Just feel free to go as wild or as not as you want with it. I would be like the number one sought after like dancer i would love to do dance in another life i've said i would be a, like pro dancer like i would do like music videos um salsa dancing ballroom all the things i think i would be a world-class trained performance dance no it's weird person yeah now that i've realized i've been using this so i've been saying this thing doesn't work and you just got to go do that thing you're talking about whatever it is like when people tell me what it is but now i'm yeah. realizing I can help people achieve whatever this thing is. Cause like when William Hong said he wanted to make a board game, me and him, him are going to make a board game. So I want to help you. I've got plenty of contacts. If you want to be a pro yeah. dancer, I'll figure out what the hell that means and who I got to talk to. But, uh, but I want, if I can make, if I can all of a sudden hear this and then make that happen, that's dope. Cause I have I nothing about that. that. I'm more like, Hey, you got to make this happen. Now this doesn't do anything. This card doesn't exist at least in terms of being useful on its own, you have to like mentally do it type of thing. But now I realize I can help people get there. So you want to be number one pro dancer. Yeah. What, how do you even achieve what, uh, like, so like when some Beyonce needs a backup dancer on her stage or something, what, what are we talking? Yeah. Like that's kind of where it starts. I mean, I've definitely on the path because I am, um, you know, I start, I'm starting teaching dance fitness again. Yep. And then I've connected with a few DJs here in Austin. I was dancing for a DJ in Fargo. Um, so I do shuffling. Elijah can probably help you too. Huh? He's all over the world. DJ Smiles. I'll tell him when I interview him on, on Friday, I'll say, okay. And he knows, he knows I can dance because he saw the, yeah. <laughs> I know. He's brought, he was, he was doing the. <laughs> yeah, he knows I can dance. Yeah, the judgment, the judging uh, thing or whatever. Um, yeah, so I yeah. and he was there with us every night as we were yeah. dancing and cutting it up. Uh, <laughs> and it's so up. funny how how uncomfortable most people at the bar looked while we were just in our essence. But also that's probably because uh, Elijah Desmond, DJ Smiles, made it super easy for us to just have the best time without any friction. Like yeah. usually any, any of those things, oh, Valley's full and all this stuff like would have just derailed most of my ability to get in or like even taking my hat off. And then yeah. I see him put it's, his hat on. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm putting my hat on because I know he'll back me up. Uh, you know, I, didn't, I steal and, your, didn't I steal yes. your hat for a minute? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not stolen. You just kept trying to make me shrink it down to your head size. And I was like, it can't get any smaller than it is. And then I gave up. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay and then the last question before we tell people where to find you and connect with you and all that jazz is i don't like fake it till you make it i like fail it till you nail it so what's the next thing that you're going to do that you're not sure of it sounds like it's public speaking but you don't yeah. have to take that answer that you're going to do and not be sure of and fail it until you nail it you know i think that's that's definitely the right path like i really want to do more live podcasting i want to blend the world of public speaking and podcasting and um I've got some opportunities. That is the route I do plan to go. And so it's going to be a lot of like the first year, you know, just like rough and tumble, um, go to different events, like travel. Do I bring my equipment? Do I rent my equipment? You know what I mean? Like, sure. So a lot of things, I uh, definitely want to do more public speaking, interactive podcasting and um, help people make events that rock 
with yeah. podcasting. After this, so. right after we get off this, we're gonna do a TikTok or something. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So, uh, we'll f- we'll figure it out. I did my first TikTok while I was a podcast, and then Wally helped us do the captions because we were like, "What the hell are we doing?" Me and Carrie <laughs> with that one video about sequins. I don't know if you saw that video. Yes. That's yeah. That's the Carrie I'm talking about who has that other podcast that shot at love that I'm going to ask her if she wants to have you on, but um, where can people go to find you connect with you? What's the best places, uh, social media, whatever, all the, all the things you want to promote, feel free to say wherever they can uh, reach you and connect with you and listen to you. Awesome. Yes. Well, you can definitely reach me on Instagram. I am at the K Cote. That's, C-O-T-E. And, and then I'm also- K-A-Y to be clear, because I thought you'd yes. start with the- uh, <laughs> I'll with start, the I'll start it over. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that. So we'll do, I'm um, at the K-Cote. Uh, it's K-A-Y-C-O-T-E. Mm-hmm. And then also kcote.com is my website. And then Elevated You is available on all platforms. And then it's also uh, on Instagram at elevatedyou.podcast. Well, I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes and I will also link them as official sites to this episode on IMDb. So hopefully you'll see a nice little SEO boost from all that stuff. But thank you so much for joining the podcast, for being vulnerable, sharing yourself and, you know, some of the more difficult times. And also thank you so much for just having a blast with me uh, in Florida at PodFest because you were one of the probably, you know, 10 people that I spent the most amount of time with and also had the most fun with. So I just appreciate, you know, everything you do. And I'm glad to have you on the podcast and officially put you in uh, the cast with Wally Green and all these other people who you now know and uh, all the future people who we don't even know that will be on the podcast. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been an absolute blast. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over 5 hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.